All right, so today I've got Cam and Robert of the Faith in Fishing podcast, and they're going to be talking with us today not only about their podcast, but I'm going to pick their brains on what I need to do as a first-time kayak tournament fishing angler in the off chance I actually get to participate in the one that I'm thinking about doing uh, later on this summer. So before we get into the conversation, though, uh, let's go ahead and let the folks who might not be familiar with your show or, or you guys, let let us know what each of your claims to fame are. Okay, for sure. Um, so I guess uh, you mean outside of the podcast or... Yeah, just, can just, I use the just you. You can use the podcast, but uh let let let's know about about who Cam is. Okay, yeah. So I'm uh uh I guess you can call me the founder of the Faith and Fishing podcast. Um and uh uh I guess my claim to fame, I I volunteer as a chaplain for our local uh tournament trail, uh Central Carolina kayak fishing, and uh I am known as the uh the guy in the trail that still swears by a paddle. There you go. So no trolling motors in the future for you. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no, no motors for cam, but, uh, I'm Robert and, uh, cam brought me on probably a year and a half, almost two years ago as a co-host of the faith and fishing podcast. So we've recorded, uh, uh, doggone near an episode a week since then so we've got uh, quite a few episodes out there together he's got some by himself before that out there and uh, i've had a good time helping him with it uh, i'm originally from around nashville tennessee and uh, transplanted kind of all over the southeast united states but uh live close to raleigh now and uh, do some uh, local kayak tournaments and uh, i'll enter a a national kayak tournament every once in a while. Um, but that's not something I do on the regular, but it is fun to dip your toes into some of, with some of those bigger guys. Um, I, I think you said you just had Drew Gregory on. So, um, uh, you know, that's a, a guy, he does a lot of national trails. So I hope you guys got into that, um, last week, uh, or two weeks ago, but, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it. All right, cool. Well, let, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the podcast. No, I was actually, uh, you invited me on to your podcast uh, a little while ago, and uh, that was that was different for me being on the other end of the microphone, so to speak. But what, what made you want to start your podcast? Uh, so the the main reason at the time, um, you know, I didn't have kids and my, my wife was a potter and, uh, almost every night she would go out and she would go to the shed and, and throw pots. And, um, I kind of got tired of going to the same, uh, same local pond, uh, and, and catching the same 15 fish over and over and over again. And, uh, was like, I'm, I'm, I want to do something while she's out there, um, with my time. And, I was listening to a podcast where uh, Chad Hoover, president of kayak bass fishing and kind of one of the forefathers of the of tournament kayak bass fishing, uh, mentioned his faith and kind of moved on from it pretty quick. And I had heard other other anglers mention their faith. And I was like, you know, that would be an awesome 
awesome platform. If somebody could do that, give give anglers a chance to talk about what they believe. Didn't really think much of it until um, uh, Gene Jensen, a uh, fluke master, mentioned on another podcast. Robert and I are podcast junkies, so you're going to hear me and Robert talk about podcasts a lot. Um, and he said, if there's content out there that you want to consume or listen to or, or see or whatever, and you can't find it, it's on you to make it. I was like, well, I guess it's on me to make this. Let's, let's see what I can do. And I'm the kind of person who can talk myself out of anything. So I immediately like had a buddy of mine who was a graphic designer, design me a logo and put a little bit of money into it. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to back out of it now. Let's, let's dive into it and started recording episodes, reaching out to a bunch of people was very surprised by how many people said yes. And then about a year and a half, uh, maybe two years into it, I got I started to get a little burnt out and I needed, uh, needed some help and, uh, needed some, somebody or something to breathe some fresh air into the podcast. So, uh, invited Robert in, um, as uh, co-host, but before I let him tell that story, I guess I should probably say what the faith and fishing podcast is. So, uh, we, uh, we give anglers a chance to, uh, to tell their faith stories, um, faith stories, fishing memories, positivity. That's kind of our brand. That's what we want is, we want to give anglers a chance, uh, no matter what it is that they believe, a chance to op- or an opportunity to to share what that what that is and how they came to believe that, and uh, and then just get a chance to talk fishing with some some really good people and have have some fun have some fun doing it and and continue shedding a, a positive or shining a positive light into the fishing community. But now I'll let, uh, I'll rip, I'll let Robert take over and kind of share the story of how he came onto the faith and fishing podcast. Uh, yeah. So I, I believe, you know, I commented on something on the Facebook page or I think it was on Facebook and, um, you know, we figured out that I told, I think I told Cam or commented on something. If you're ever in the Raleigh area, let me know. And, you know, we'll hook up and go fishing. And he's like, Raleigh area. He was like, yeah, I, I live like right, you know, right near Raleigh. So ended up, we figured out we only lived like 15 minutes apart, maybe probably like 10 minutes apart and, you know, fish some of the same waters. We didn't even, uh, you know, we, I didn't know where he lived at uh, when we were communicating back and forth on Facebook. And uh, so ended up going out and, uh, you know, doing some kayak fishing together and, uh fish some tournaments together and, and known each other for a while. And then, like you said, he, he, uh, reached out, wanted to get a co-host on the show. So, um, you know, it actually, it worked out good. And it, even that first time we hooked up going fishing, I mean, he caught a daggone giant that day. Uh, it was, we joke about it. It was the, uh, bass with the biggest head and the skinniest body that we've ever still seen to this day. It had a, what, like a 10 pound head and a, five pound body it was it was 22 and a half inches long and weighed 3.9 pounds there you go i got robbed yeah <laughs> cool well that's 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 an interesting story good story um and i'm sure that it's it's made life easier 
on you, especially uh, now knowing that you'll be able to have new content still coming out with you, with your wife expecting your it's your second child, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't have to worry about that. We're we're done with ours. We we got five. We're happy. That's actually where the name of my show business whatever came from field quiver outdoors my quiver is full i can't fit anything else in it i don't want to fit anything else in it i'm i'm happy but uh i mean if that were to happen if for some reason god were to see fit to let us have another then you know this show would just my show would stop for a while but you've got robert there that can kind of pick up the reins for you and i'm sure that's a, a big relief for you and your your listeners yeah absolutely so whenever my first son was was born i uh <clears throat> I, I i was in the middle of the podcast and just kind of said all right you guys will get a new episode when you get a new episode have fun go back <laughs> and listen to the old ones listen to reruns and uh i i was doing uh every week uh whenever we found out that uh caitlin was pregnant um we uh i dropped back to every other week and then was like all right you'll get an episode whenever you get an episode when he was born and and i think it was was probably probably six weeks or so before the next episode came out and then it was very sporadic before i finally found some consistency again so yeah i'm absolutely thrilled to have robert on board right now um and uh, to have somebody that that I trust and 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 was able to connect with and everything, so yeah, and it'll be good. I I've got three kids, but they're all older. Mine are twenty, eighteen, and sixteen, so they can they can take care of themselves and uh, drive themselves their own places. So it, it helps uh, with a, a little bit more free time, and uh, you know it, it'll work out well because I've been in that situation with uh, little ones around the house and the wife is expecting and it's a, it's a busy time. And, uh, you know, just, just glad that we're kind of in different seasons of our life. So it also gives the podcast, I think, you know, different perspective, you know, different viewpoints and different perspectives on, uh, different things that come up on the podcast. Uh, so it, it works out well. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Well, for the folks that are listening or watching, uh, we'll, I'll figure out how to put a link to your podcast. Uh, if not, uh, and for the folks that might be listening, how, how can they find you, uh, on whatever streaming service they, they utilize? Uh, so it's just the faith in fishing podcast. So faith, the letter N fish, the letter N, um, you can, uh, you can search us on all the major platforms. Um, and, on you know instagram faith and fishing pod on facebook faith and fishing podcast youtube faith and fishing podcast all the episodes go up on youtube it'll be a uh our our video chat with our guest um goes up and uh let's see uh i guess the best the best link to give you is our link tree it's uh link tr.ee slash faith and fishing um, and that brings up all the different podcast stuff, all the socials, all the sponsor links, um, merch store, as long as it is still active and all that, all that good stuff. Um, mine and Robert's Omni of fishing accounts, like, uh, so you can go in and see our fishing reports and all that good stuff. 
Okay, cool. And uh, so well, let's go ahead and move uh, to the other thing that uh, I'm really needing some help with. So uh, it, as you know from uh, our last conversation when I was on your show and a lot of my audience, if they've listened, managed to listen to the earlier episodes, they, they were just horrendous. Uh, uh, then they know that I've never targeted bass, specifically largemouth, um, at, at growing up and didn't catch one until it was, I think it was last year, the year before was the first, first largemouth I'd ever actually caught. Now I am considering doing a little small local tournament, uh, here in upstate South Carolina this summer, if they have it again, I, I saw it last year. It's very small. Um, I think they limit it to 20 anglers and based on the pictures uh, of it from this past year, they only had about a dozen participate. Uh, now I'm not going to give away which one it is yet because if they do open it up, I don't want registration to fill up before I can sign up. But once I've signed up, then I'll make an announcement of what it is. But uh, I have no expectations whatsoever of doing well in this thing. But uh, I am competitive. Uh, I enjoy challenges. Uh, and my personal Instagram handle uh, is, is a play on that because I enjoy working out and doing athletic events. But um, as far as what I have to have for a kayak tournament obviously i know i have to have a kayak rod and reel and some tackle um what are some necessities for me to not necessarily be successful but have an enjoyable ex first experience in a tournament yeah for sure so um the first thing i'm going to say is have a have a life jacket that uh, or PFD that you trust and is comfortable. Um, a, uh, a good, uh, a good paddle, even if, you know, even if you're somebody who relies on a motor or pedal, um, if, if that pedal drive goes out, you don't want to be without a paddle. So make sure you got a good paddle. Um, and then whatever, uh, whatever measuring board your tournament trail uses or the, the tournament that you're participating in uses. So if they only allow catch boards, make sure you've got a catch board. Um, so uh, those are going to be the, the absolute necessities. I would also say a net um, is something that uh, makes it's a helpful. huge difference. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, like, it's not bare minimum, but it's, it's close to it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I'd say, you know, a, a net, you have some people that prefer not to have a net. I, I find it very helpful, um, to have a net and, uh, yeah, that can pretty much hit the nail on the head with all of those things. Uh, that's really what you need. There are other things, uh, that, that make it, you know, probably more enjoyable. Uh, the only other thing maybe that you would need is a 360 light. If the launch time is before, you want to be visible. Uh, and if you have a motorized kayak, you have to have the navigation lights on the front, which is the green and red. Uh, the 360 light is just a white light, just so you're visible to other boats, uh, because there will be other 
fast boats and boaters out before daylight and you want to make sure, you know, they see you. So they don't run you over. Yeah. For okay. sure. Good call. I got you. And now you mentioned the measuring boards with the, with the catch. That's the particular one I got. I got the smaller of the plastic ones. I really like the aluminum ones. I don't know why I have no reason to like the aluminum ones over the plastic ones. I guess just my thought process is aluminum would withstand me and my five children better than a plastic one. But, uh, when it's not being used for fishing, but, um, Again, like I said, I've already got one, but for somebody that might be listening that might be thinking about buying one because they're wanting to do tournaments, not just for personal interest, uh, is there really any reason or need that you've seen for folks, we'll just say in our area here in the southeast, to buy the larger size over the smaller size? Uh, I mean, if they're just targeting largemouth and smallmouth, um, until recently, I'd have said no. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the Hobie Bass Open Series just, uh, recently had their tournament down in, uh, in Florida to open the season. And there were, uh, so that There's, the smaller board yeah. goes to 26 inches and there were, there were fish that were 25 and three quarter inches yeah. caught. And I was like, man, that makes that board look so small, but yeah, it, you're talking about, yeah, 13 pound bass. Uh, yeah. You know, so if you're just going to do the bass trails, I, I think the 26 inch one, you know, if you max that out, you're, you're not going to miss it by a quarter of an inch. I mean, that's, that's a huge, I mean, that's a world record bass. A 26 inch bass is, is going to be, you know, pushing all the state limit, you know, records and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was specifically for bass 26 is, is plenty. Yeah. Yeah. And then the the only other thing I'll add in there is just because um, North Carolina, South Carolina, you do have that coastal. Uh, there are some tournaments there where you do redfish, trout, and flounder. A lot of those guys will use that 32-inch board, I think, is the next size up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some of those guys will fish both. So instead of, have, instead of having the 26 for bass and the 32 for the uh, saltwater fish, you know, they just use the 32 for everything. That'd be the only reason I would see say to move up um, to that next size board. Yeah, I have a 32, and the only reason I have a 32 is because Get Outdoors only had 32s. Um, our our paddle shop only had only had 32s, so that's the reason I have a 32. Um, and you mentioned the aluminum board. Um, if you are if you're if you're really planning on getting into tournament fishing, I would say go ahead and, and go with the aluminum. I've got the plastic, but um, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about it more, but I'm not, I'm not in it for the competitive scene as much. Um, so I don't, I don't really have a desire to participate in the national trails right now. Uh, but if you, if you are expecting to move up towards that national, national trail, um, uh, level all of them right now are metal catch board only so uh okay. keep that in mind whenever you're getting your getting your measuring board okay yeah see and it sounds like you and i were flip-flopped i got the 26 i was looking at the 32 and then when i added it to the cart to order it it was showing out of stock but they had <laughs> the other one in stock 
and being impatient i said well yeah and i went back and looked at some results i was like i ain't gonna be catching anything over 26 inches so yeah. um not in the waters i'm at anyway storage wise too the 26 is a little bit easier to store because a lot of times you're putting that up under the seat or you're putting it on the side rail of your kayak so that's another thing to think about i, I would not recommend the 32 unless you are going to do some salt water because that's just an extra six inches length of board that has to go somewhere and the you know you'll find out the space is a premium on a kayak i mean you're looking for every square inch that you can get yeah you yeah. wouldn't think six inches makes a big difference but it does i got you yeah and speaking of that that's actually was going to be my next follow-up question uh, as far as storage how do you guys store your uh measuring boards because i saw the fancy little holsters if you it's not a holster that's what i call it but um it, it's made to hold or it looks like it's made to hold it out of the way do you guys use that or do y'all just throw it under the seat like you mentioned go ahead cam uh so i use a um it's from yak gadget um is the company that makes it and it is it's just uh two plastic brackets that uh with a with a bungee over top that it just it cradles right right into it and uh it i think that's what it's called is just a catch cradle or measuring or bump board holster or something but it's um it was fairly inexpensive it, i mean it's it's just two two pieces of plastic that are engineered engineered and cut out that have the gear track you just screw them onto your on your kayak and uh, or not not screw them onto your kayak like drilling a hole in it or anything just um slide it in the rails. gear track and and tightening yeah. it down um so that's how i that's how i keep mine and then forever i've just slid mine under my seat um the first kayak i had um had a tray under the seat and it would just lay right on top of that it was pretty easy um the kayak i have now i have uh, storage bins under the seat it doesn't fit as quite as well so um, I also got <clears throat> a, uh, <clears throat> a bracket that catch sells right on their website. It's just a small piece of plastic, not quite as big as what cams is, but mine just slides right into it. Um, so that's going to be new for me this year too. I actually ha just put it on there last week. So it, it looks like it's going to work well, but you never can tell until you get on the water and start reaching for things, whether I may get aggravated and I may, I may chunk it. We'll have to see if it works out. I, I think it's going to work well, but I've thought that with other things and it got out on the water and like, Oh yeah, this is not going to work like I thought it was. So you got to do some trial and errors, um, you know, and make sure you you're fishing kind of anytime you add stuff on there make sure you take a couple of trips out before you go and do a tournament. Cause it is, I've, I've done that the other way. I've made changes a couple of days before the tournament, gone out the day of the tournament and then was kicking myself because things were out of place and when you i was reaching for stuff i couldn't pull a rod out because i had moved something but um you know it, it you kind of get accustomed to where everything is at on there and when you make changes it, it will throw you off and could cause you to drop something in the water which we've all done um so you know, uh, that'd be another thing to probably add to your list is some type of tether for your phone because you're going to be taking pictures of your fish on your board. 
So you're going to want to have some way to something to attach to your phone. So that doesn't go into the water. There's been a lot of phones lost into the lake kayak fishing. Absolutely. Okay. Now, as far as, uh, I guess the brand, you mentioned that depending on the series, they have different rules about which boards you can and can't use. Is there any particular board? Not, not that we're name dropping one, trying to send sales to a particular company or anything, but, uh, from what I've seen catch, I think it's catch is the brand name seems to be the, I guess, not really the standard, but that's the name I keep seeing popping up. It's it, it pretty much a safe bet for somebody just to go ahead and buy a catch board and they should be good in any tournaments. Uh, catch is the only brand that is allowed in all three of them national trails. Okay. Um, and I know in our, in our trails, central Carolina kayak fishing, um, it's the only, uh, the only one allowed, um, for us as well. Now we do allow the, the catch carbonate or their plastic one and their, their metal one, but we only allow catch boards this season. Okay. Yep. There, there are some others that are, um, they're in the process of, uh, testing. I think over the next couple of years, you'll see some other competitors come out with some metal boards that are comparable, but right now, the national trails there's a reason they go with the metal boards is because it's very hard to tig weld aluminum back together it's not so hard to melt plastic back together if somebody were to want to change the length of their board for an odd reason and the uh and the the plastic boards do have just a tiny bit of flex in them and they did have issues with uh anglers that would bend the board to try and get that extra quarter inch or uh, or whatever so that's where that, that's why the the metal board is is the standard okay and then moving we'll move on from the catch boards and uh and the other measure measuring boards uh as far as tackle goes uh, like you mentioned just a few minutes ago uh real estate is at a premium on a kayak so how, uh, other than just experience on a particular body of water, uh, you, you're not like, uh, uh, somebody with an actual bass boat where you've got all this storage space. You can have five or six tackle boxes of 20 different, uh, lure types. How, how do you pick what you have? And is there any particular lure that you always have? as a just in case or a backup plan if what you originally wanted to try isn't working you go first robert okay so um i probably carry as much on my kayak as i did when i had a bass boat so i fished out of a boat before i started kayak fishing i, I had always probably had a canoe laying around and um but I was fishing out of a boat and I was duck hunting out of kayaks and I got too lazy to take the boat to the lake one day. And I just threw the kayak in and said, I'm going to fish out of the kayak. And I enjoyed the being on the actual being on the water, catching the fish versus standing up on the boat. To me, it was just, it was a lot more fun. It was more exhilarating being on the, on the actual water almost at the same level as the fish. Um, so on behind the seat of most, tournament kayak anglers they'll have a, a milk crate 
type box. There's a lot of them that uh, you can buy. You can make your own. Um, I've got actually the one I'm using now. I actually bought from Cam because he upgraded from a different one. And I like the one that he was using. But the two I had before that were milk crates that I uh, put rod holders on the side of. I still have those two. I use those every once in a while too. But the milk crate will hold uh, five like uh, Plano uh, flat tackle boxes. So um, I take as much now as I did in a boat. But there are some things that I always have tied on. And one is a weightless Cinco. Um, that, that's a pretty much a staple for me. Um, a shaky head. Um, I, I like fishing a shaky head, which is just a, a, a weighted, uh, plastic worm. Um, and you know, usually I'll go out, I'll have normally six to seven rods tied up, ready to go. And then, um, usually if they're not biting one of those six to seven, I'll change sometimes, but I've found that those are my confidence baits. And if I'm not catching them on those, rarely do I go into my box and pull out this magic bullet of a lure and tie it on and start catching fish. If I'm not catching them on the ones I have tied on, normally I'm not going to catch them that day. Um, but I do carry a lot of stuff that I don't use. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Robert hit it. Um, there at the end, uh, you asked, uh, how do you decide what you're going to throw? It's throw what you're throw, what you have confidence in. Um, I, uh, like if you believe in, in what you're presenting to the fish, you're going to present it the right way and you're going to leave it just that, that a few seconds longer. And, um, but in terms of, of what I carry, I'm, I keep trying to like pare it down and it keeps building back up. Um, on tournament day, I carry nine rods with me and about 30 pounds of tackle. Um, so, <laughs> um, but in terms of baits that I always have tied on, um, a bladed jig, a shaky head and a square bill crankbait are the three that, that I always have tied on. Okay. Now I know this is, more personal preference with with most folks but do you guys usually have bait casters spinning or a mixed bag when you're going out on tournament day if you see me uh fishing with a spinning rod i'm having a bad day <laughs> um if i have to resort to my finesse techniques i'm i'm grumpy I, I want to have that bait caster in my, in my hand and I want to be power fishing. Yeah. So the bait caster for me is the more fun way to catch fish, but percentage wise, I'm catching more fish with a spinning rod than I am a bait caster. The uh, bait caster is fun. Um, but my mix on mine, I usually have four to five bait casters and I carry two spinning rods and those two spinning rods have on it what I said earlier is weightless Cinco and a shaky head are going to be on the two spinning rods. And then I'll have uh, jigs or um, I like, I love spinner baits. I like bladed jigs. I'll have those tied on with the mixture of some top water and stuff like that on the, um, on the bait casters. Um, my ratio is typically um, either, uh, either seven bait casters and two spinning rods or, 
uh, or six and three. Um, just depending on what time of year it is. If it's, if it's winter time, I'm typically carrying my, my three spinning rods and all the rest of the time, uh, my Ned rig rod gets left at home. Okay. Well, uh, before we move off, off of this topic, uh, are there any last thoughts or any, any last things you want to throw out there, uh, about the kayak tournaments for, for folks that, haven't ever done one before that are looking into it um yeah i will um if you are if you're doing this to make money uh go back home um (laughs) but if you are doing this because you are uh you are enjoy the competition or you enjoy the camaraderie um it is a phenomenal time um the, the whole reason I got into it, uh, I told you this whenever you were on our podcast, the whole reason I got into it was because I looked in the mirror one day and I was like, Cam, you need friends and you ain't got none. What are you going to do to get some? And uh, uh, tournament fishing was my way of forcing myself to fish at the same time that other people were fishing and get to know people. And um, whenever I started volunteering as chaplain, I got to really, uh, uh, you know, force myself to go up and introduce myself and make sure I talk to everybody on the trail and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I would say if you're on the fence about it, um, find a local trail that's not super expensive and, uh, and just go out and have fun, get on the water and, and, uh, and enjoy fishing with other people. The kayak, uh, tournament anglers are a completely different breed that, are you know it's a close-knit group and you know there's there's not a lot of the the cutthroat type competitiveness it's you know hey how are you doing well i'm not catching really good oh well i caught them on these and throw them a pack of of the bait that you're catching on like that's that's happened to me more than once like i've had somebody give me a pack of baits that they were catching them on um now um so, I mean, I mean, obviously there's still a lot of competition and it's a, uh, it's solid competition and, and there's some really good anglers in every trail, but, um, go out and enjoy it and, and don't, don't feel intimidated whenever you get there. And there's a bunch of people that, uh, that, you know, they have the massive boats with 15 screens on it and 32 rods and, and a motor and all that stuff, uh, the our angle over the year last year for our trail fished most of the season out of a paddle kayak with no electronics. Um, and, uh, so, um, if you, if you're, if you're good at it, it, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be something that you're going out and spending a ton of money on and, and just, just go out and enjoy it. Yep. Yeah. And the one thing, the one thing I'll add to that is, the camaraderie is why everybody kayak fishes. The, the, like Cam said, the competition is there. There's some great, great anglers um, that fish those trails. Uh, but I will say, even from the first time I went to a kayak tournament, everybody at that trail was outgoing. Um, I had a kayak that I bought from, uh, well, I bought it off the of Facebook Marketplace, but it was a Bass Pro Cabela's brand, Ascend kayak sit in and um 
you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to show up and everybody's going to kind of, you know, cut their eyes or whatever. And it was absolutely not the case. And I felt right at home from day one. And uh, so that's one thing that probably kept me from doing that is just a fear of, well, I don't have a nicest kayak as such and such. Or, you know, you see some of these guys, like Cam said, with some big tricked out rigs. But, man, everybody, regardless of what you have now, we all started in a sun dolphin. We all had a sun dolphin tin. We all had a Cabela's kayak. A lot of guys that fish that have big, super nice kayaks still have those in their garage and they still use them from time to time to slide down a riverbank where you don't want to take your nice one. You will take your, you know, your one you started out in. But uh, that's the one thing I would tell people is don't be shy. Um, every kayak trail that I've been on, uh, I've fished several different ones, but all the kayak uh, guys and girls are super welcoming. Okay, great. And you brought up the electronics. I'm going to go ahead and ask you about that before we get into you guys' uh, testimonies. But are you running electronics with, with the fish finders personally? And if so, what what's on your kayak? Uh, so mine is it's the Garmin Striker 5 CV. Um, so nothing, nothing big or fancy. Um, just something that uh, is... It helps me find a little bit of structure and it, uh, it tells me how cold the water is and how deep it is. And it tells me how fast I'm going because I like to see that information. But um, it, that's, that's about all that that I, I use um, because uh, I, I just, uh, I'm the kind of person that I, I get sucked into it. And I, every so often, if I'm, if I'm struggling fishing on the, uh, fishing, what I do is I turn my fish finder off and I start fishing off of instinct, uh, because I find myself staring at the screen and trying to, to catch that, that arch that I see on the screen, whenever in reality, that could be a rock down there or a turtle or something. And it's like, I'm so focused on this that. I'm, I'm missing the stuff that's going on around me. So it's a, it's definitely a good tool, but, um, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't put too much, uh, too much stock into it. Yep. And then I'm kind of the same. I, I have a, um, a Garmin, uh, nine inch, um, UHD. It's got side scan, down scan on it, but, um, I'm not using any <clears> of the live scope or things like that, but you, if you show up to a kayak tournament, you're going to see guys show up with live scope or mega 360. You're going to see some guys show up with dual screens. You may even see one or two of them that have three screens on there. Um, but then you're also going to have people show up with no screens and you know, they're just as liable to win as, uh, as somebody that has all the electronics. So, um, you know, you'll see all different variations of that. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and uh, move into uh, testimony time, if you will. Um, just share with the listeners uh, how how you came to enter into your relationship with Christ. Uh, and then, Cam, if you don't mind, uh, just speak a little bit uh, as to how uh, you uh, moved into the chaplain position that you hold. Okay. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I guess I'll go first and, uh, I'll, uh, I'll say I grew up in the church. Um, 
my grandpa was a Methodist minister. Um, my dad is a lay speaker in the Methodist church. Um, and you know, we spent, especially during the summertime, we spent almost as much time in church as we did in school during the school year. Um, we were, we were always there doing something. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of was the kid who I knew all the answers. I knew exactly how to appear exactly how I was supposed to look for the, from the adults. And whenever I left, uh, whenever I left church and people weren't looking that were from church, my parents, then I was a completely different person. Um, and, uh, was not, was not super fond of myself. Um, and, uh, kind of, I struggled making friends and, um, all that good stuff. I, I got bullied a lot in school and I, whenever I hit my growth spurt, I, uh, I decided that now, uh, I can be the bully. And so I did a lot of bullying and, um, really did not think very highly of myself because of that. And, um, contemplated suicide and decided, uh, you know, in sixth grade, um, I was, I was starting to contemplate it. By the time I was in uh, freshman in high school, I was practicing tying noose knots. Um, and, uh, always was very angry at myself for not, uh, for not having the guts to go through with it. And, uh, was, uh, invited on a, on a church retreat. I mean, I was going to end up going whether I wanted to or not. Um, and, uh, there was a, a Christian rock band there that was playing and there was a Christian comedian that was doing the, um, the, uh, the messages and all of a sudden it was, you know, this wasn't, this wasn't my daddy's church. This was fun. Um, this was, you know, I could, I could get down to this music and I could, I was laughing while I was, while I was listening to stuff about God. And, you know, they, they started uh, talking about God as this friend who could, who, who stuck closer than a brother. I don't remember the, uh, the verse in Proverbs, but um and, you know, I was like, I want that friend. I want that relationship. And so I sat there in the, uh, in my hotel room in the ski lodge and, um, and say, God, I don't, I don't know what this means, but I want you to be that friend for me. And so I accepted Christ that weekend. And, um, shortly after that ended up moving away. And that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, because, I had just accepted Christ and now I get a completely fresh start. I get to be whoever I want to be. Um, and, uh, I got plugged into a good church and, um, and really was able to, you know, grow and mature in my faith and, uh, got to, uh, grow under some really good people. Uh, got some really great mentors in the church. Um, ended up working as a youth pastor for a little while. Um, and, uh, whenever I felt the, felt the call to do that, um, I was expecting it to be a much longer tenure. Um, but, uh, God had other plans. He, he needed me for that season there and, uh, um, and then called me to pursue my then girlfriend, now wife. We had been doing the long distance thing for about five years and, uh, it was time to get closer together and, and, uh, pursue that relationship with her. And, 
um, through that, uh, you know, I still had that, that itch to, to minister. And, um, that's part of where the, where the faith and fishing podcast came from. And, um, I was on a, uh, another podcast that, uh, Robert and, um, Robert and I, we have a buddy who is a, uh, um, uh, he's a co-host on a podcast and it may be a little bit, um, a little bit risque for some of your listeners. It's called the Bass and Brews podcast. Um, and it is, a is a long form, uh, how, how should we put it? Adult, uh, podcast. And he, he, he brought me on to, to talk about the Faith and Fishing podcast. So I went on and I was talking about it and he gave me this idea of, of, volunteering as chaplain for a tournament trail i was like i don't even know what that looks like man i i don't i don't know about that i need to pray on that and so i i was thinking about it and i was like man i I want to this is this is this is there might be something here so i reached out to some buddies who i've had on the podcast who were chaplains of different different things one at the time was the chaplain for the paddle and fin podcast network and their tournament trails that they were doing at the time. And one of them was the, uh, he's the chaplain for bass. Uh, you had him on, uh, Chris Wells. And I was like, what does this look like? And they were like, you need to, you need to sit down and, and figure out what that looks like to you. I was like, that's a good point. So I sat down and I thought about it. I was like, I want to love on people. I want to, I want to, I want people in the tournament trail to know that they have somebody here if they need somebody. And so I reached out to uh, Mitch Lassiter, uh, our tournament trail director. I was like, Hey man, you need a, a, a chaplain. And he was like, I've never been asked that before. I don't, what does that look like? And I, I sat down and I talked, talked, talked with him about it. And we decided to, to go through with this. And so, um, basically I, I, uh, what that looks like in, in our trail for me is, uh, on tournament morning, whether I'm participating in the tournament or not, I pull up the roster of, of all the anglers that are, uh, participating and I, uh, pray for each angler by name, pray for their safety and, um, pray that God puts on a show in their life during this, uh, during this tournament. And, um, and I, I do pray that, uh, that the, the fish are hungry for them. And, uh, uh, and I just, I put out all of my contact information to our, to our group and let them know, Hey, if you ever need anything, just know you've got somebody here. Um, if you want somebody to pray with you, if you just need somebody to talk you through something or just somebody to listen to whatever's going on in your life, you've got somebody. And so sometimes it'll be, um, Hey, I, do you have a, you have a catch board I can borrow? Or sometimes it's a, Hey, I've got stuff going on at home that I, I need to talk about. Um, so, uh, yeah, we, uh, it's ended up being a really good fit and, uh, I, it's, it's, it's developed a lot of really strong friendships and brotherhoods that I, I was not, not really expecting, but I'm, 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 I'm super, super thrilled to, uh, to be a part of that and to, to let God use me in that way. Yeah. So, um, I'll follow up with the, that 
we talk about this all the time on, on our podcast or it comes up when other people are, are, you know, giving us their testimonies that how similar that, uh, Cam and, and my upbringings, uh, were, uh, my grandfather also, um, uh, pastored a church, but I always say that he's a, he was a preacher, not a pastor, uh, because he, uh, he definitely preached and, uh, it was a little bit different. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'm almost 50 now. So when I was a little kid, that's 40 years ago, the, the late seventies, early eighties and, a um, South central Kentucky, uh, small church. Um, you got preached at a lot and, and you, there wasn't a whole lot of pastoring going on. So, um, <clears throat> but, uh, my father was part of a, a gospel quartet, uh, that went around to different churches. Uh, that's how, um, he and my mom met, uh, they went to her church and, uh, um, he was part of the quartet and, and they got to know each other from there, started dating, got married, but, so I've been around the church ever since um, I was born and kind of the, some of the same things as Cam, you know, never really, never really um, hit me what it was all about, even though I knew the things to do, say, um, look the part, but never really was my own faith until I got to college. Um, and when I got to college, um, you know, uh, honestly, it was joining a fraternity um, which for those of you that don't know, most fraternities are known not for, um, <laughs> their biblical, um, uh, uh, you know, origins, but most, most college fraternities are based, um, uh, biblically. Um, so there's a, there's your daily fun fact. Uh, but, uh, that, uh, actually brought me closer to God and, and with all those guys, um, and then you go on to um, worked in the restaurant business for a long time. Uh, worked a whole lot of Sundays. Got out of the habit of going to church after I was a, a young adult, or when I was a young adult, and um, really got back into it uh, when me and my wife started having kids and wanted to make sure um, that we were uh, going to church as much as we could. Um, and so for the past uh, fifteen years. Uh, we've been pretty involved in our church. We do uh, the uh, elementary uh, children's ministry. Um, so we rotate days in there. So we're usually in there a couple days, a couple Sundays a month. And so the teachers rotate so we can also enjoy the service and, and we're not in there teaching every Sunday. Um, <clears throat> but we've been doing that for quite a while and, uh, you know, really enjoy it. Our, our, um, oldest son uh, has been part of the youth program and um, is um, is helping doing in internships at our church. Uh, so he is, um, you know, not pastoring the youth, but he's a group leader um, and uh, we're leaders for our small group, which is uh, for our church that we attend now is it's kind of like Sunday school used to be. It's basically the, the small group uh, we meet outside of church. So we're we do that um, in addition to teaching the children's ministry and, um, you know, just, just enjoy it. Enjoy being able to um, mentor the elementary school kids. And we've gotten to watch 
kids that we've taught, you know, 12, 15 years ago, uh, you know, they're in college now. So it's a pretty, pretty amazing to watch young people develop and watch their um, faith journey. And, you know, knowing that we've had a part of that, me and my wife um, has been super satisfying. And so even though our kids are not in elementary uh, class anymore, we, we still continue to volunteer in there and, and do that. And that probably teaches me more about faith than anything else. So, well, that's, that was uh, great hearing how you guys are using the, the gifts that God has given you uh, to, to grow the kingdom. Uh, and, and obviously seem to find pleasure in, in how you're doing that. But uh, before we move into the last segment, um, which is me too, uh, something that I ask, ask my guest is uh, what is a way, because I believe in support through prayer. It, listening to the show, that's always the first, first way I ask people to su- support me in the show is through prayer. How can folks pray for you guys? Um, well, uh, for the podcast, I, I think the the main the main prayer that I always always uh, throw in there, and uh, I'll invite your listeners to join us in, is uh, pray that God puts on a show in the lives of whoever ends up listening to the podcast, um, and. Uh, Pray that uh, that you know we're uh, we're able to stay on track with positivity and and uh, really it's 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 about the the guest and uh, for us uh, getting their story out there. Um, but where that uh, where that meets the road is with the listener. Um, so we're always uh, I would say. Pray for the listener and uh, pray that pray that God meets the listener and and that the listener is able to to get something out of that. The most rewarding thing that I have seen happen from our show, it's happened a, a couple of times, is whenever a, a guest uh, posts something on social media where a listener has reached out to them to let them know that uh, that their story meant something to the to them in their in their spiritual journey. Um, and you know, they don't, they don't reach out to the faith and fishing podcast to say, Hey, your podcast made a difference in my life. They reach out to the guest. And that is, um, that is something that, that is really special to me is to be able to see the guest realize that their story means something to somebody. Yep. And, uh, kind of along the same lines of, the way people can can pray for me and and the podcast and um i pray this at dinner quite a bit with my family is to let you know our words through that podcast and and our actions each day to uh pray that those things touch people and those things bring other people uh closer to god uh so that's how people can can best pray for me is to um as you know to to pray that prayer and pray that um my actions and words will help other people um 
you know, and, and see and bring them closer to God. Okay, great. Well, I'll, I'll get you guys, uh, added, added on my list and in those regards. And, uh, for, for folks that might be having trouble finding the time to pray, do it on the way to work. That's what I've started doing. And, uh, I've made it a point not just to pray for the day ahead for myself and my family, but that's actually the time that, that I've decided that it's the most convenient for me anyway, uh, to be focused and pray for each of the guests that I've had on in these ways that, that y'all are, are seeking, seeking support through prayer. Just but, don't, just don't bow your head and close your eyes. whenever. You're yeah, no, none of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, well, if you guys are ready, we'll go ahead and move into the last segment, which is me too. It's very similar, uh, to the segment you guys always end your shows with, uh, just with a little bit of a tweak. And folks that have been listening to the show know by now that I've got a set of seven questions that I ask everybody. A couple of them change based on what the area of expertise is, which up to this point, everybody except for one has been fishing related. Uh, and then uh, I'll let you pick some numbers between one and 15 to round out the 10. You guys have already given me the numbers. So what we'll do is I'll just go through the first seven uh and uh let you guys answer whoever wants to go first can and then those last three uh will i'll just leapfrog with that also but uh question number one uh what is your favorite bible story uh so for me it's the uh the story of nehemiah um who was the 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 king's uh he the cupbearer he he tasted the whatever the king drank uh to uh to make sure it wasn't poisoned and then he heard that uh that jerusalem uh that the wall had fallen and he was he was so distraught and he had such a relationship with the king that the king was like go and just that story of nehemiah like turning turning average joes into construction workers and soldiers and um and then the the frustrations that he had to deal with and the and that that story um that one is is my my normal go-to um it's uh it's one that like that 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 question can have a moving target but that's my uh that's my that's my go-to okay oh yeah i'll I'll go to the easy one i always like david and lion's den um that's a it's one that always sticks out. It's one that our kids in, in Sunday school always get a kick out of. And, um, you know, I, I've liked that since I was a kid and I'll, I'll just stick with that. That's, that's got so much, you know, uh, it really lets people know that no matter what you're up against, um, you know, God's going to provide a way. And, uh, if you follow him, it's, you're going to be okay. Okay. So up next we have, what has been your favorite state or national park or other outdoors or I like to use the term creation instead of nature related uh, venue, but what, what is an outdoor nature venue that has been your favorite that you've gotten to go to? Might have to go with Robert first, Cam. That's why he's thinking. Yeah, he's he's thinking <laughs> hard on it. 
Uh, I've got a couple. So overall favorite all time is going to be the Grand Canyon. I think just the all and the, you, you can't even explain it to somebody until you see it in person. Pictures don't do it justice. And it is one of those things that is, you know, it's breathtaking. And I'm going to give you one more because we, me and my wife have been infatuated with this over the last couple of months. We want to hike the Appalachian trail. Uh, we've, we've been to it at small sections. Um, but at some point we want to save enough time to go seven months and go the whole length of it. If, if my knees don't give out before. Um, I think, uh, for me, I'm going to have to go with the, the Croatan national forest, uh, because I have always been, there's always been something about swamps. I, I love, I love a swamp. And so that one is, uh, in terms of it's, it's one that I have revisited multiple times. So I'm, I'm going to go with that one. Okay. Well, follow up to that is what is a place that you have not been that you would most like to go to? Yeah, I'll go first on that too, because it's Alaska, no doubt, for me. I I would love to go to a rainforest somewhere. Um, I, the, uh, I, I've always loved the, uh, the idea of hitting the Rio de Janeiro um, down in Brazil and, and, uh, seeing seeing the amazon rainforest and uh i would love to to do some jungle fishing and and uh catch some of those species down there but uh just the biodiversity of a rainforest i, I would just I, I would love to see that okay up next and this is effectively one of the same questions you guys ask uh, just word a little bit different but what is a food that you would consider as a must-have, a staple in your cooler whenever you go out on an outdoors adventure? Peanut butter. Specifically, yeah. Skippy makes the pouches of peanut butter. So <laughs> you just pop that open, and and it's it's like a kid eating a uh, like a applesauce pouch, but it's it's packed full of protein and energy. Just make sure you got some water with you. <laughs> And I'm going to have to go with, uh, I, I say little Debbie still, but Cam says big Debra's, uh, but anything that says little Debbie on it, uh, I'm good with They, I, they have a lot of different varieties now. And, uh, you know, most of the old staples, any of those are in my cooler. You'll, you'll find them. I mean, they're stuck everywhere. They're in my truck. They're in cooler kayak. Uh, that's, that's probably my go-to. Okay. Now, this one, uh, I've modified this question a little bit than what I've asked in the past. Normally, it's been, is it Bigfoot or Sasquatch, and does it exist? But since there are so many other cryptid-type creatures out there, like here in South Carolina, we've got Lizard Man, you've got the Jackalope, and you've got Nessie, and whatever the lake monster in Vermont is, which... Fictional, if you think they're fictional, if you think they're real, you know, that's that's up to you. But what campfire creature are you the most in, intrigued by? Uh, that's a hard one because cryptids are my thing. Um, the, the one that I'm most intrigued by, 
I guess would be Mothman. Um, so um, I'll say most intrigued, but I'll say Mothman. Okay. Yeah. And I'll just have to go straight Bigfoot or Yeti, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> because uh, I'm not so sure that those aren't real. So. <laughs> All right. And now for slang. What is an outdoor slang term that you've either had to have explained to you that you've had to explain to somebody else or just a fun slang term related to the outdoors that, that you know of? Hmm. So um, I'm going to say throw in a lure. Uh, so whenever you're fishing you, you and you're casting out your lure, you, we call it... You, what bait are you throwing? And uh, I say that because, you know, there for a while, it was very popular on, on social media to post a picture of a fishing spot and say, what are you throwing here? And okay. I, I, I did that. I, I went to a place. I was like, Oh, this looks, this looks juicy. I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to post this. And I said, what are you, uh, what are you throwing here? And my mom goes on Facebook and says, ah, rock. So I had to explain <laughs> what I what I meant by that. So yeah, that's a tough question. I mean, there's so many things from Tennessee that I probably do end up explaining, but I've done it so much that I, I nothing's coming to mind. Um, I guess it, you know. The neighborhood that I live in, we I'm right south of Raleigh, so we have um, about 400 homes in this neighborhood, and I don't know if it's so much a saying as just explaining the act that we go and we hunt, because a lot of people moved from um, the north or bigger cities where they haven't been around hunting that much, um, so you know there's a there's a pretty decent body of water that's on the back side of my neighborhood and so whenever the first day of duck season rolls around i mean it there's some shotguns going off and they sound like they're in the backyard and so the facebook posts light up like what's going on and so it's i usually get on there and this yeah it's the first day of duck season you know actually we, we're in the city limits but the property that's next to our neighborhood is still the county so they can hunt over there all they want to. I guess maybe just the act of explaining that we hunt in the South. And, uh, you know, because a lot of people that live in our neighborhood don't understand it. So I know that's really kind of not really answering your question, but that's the only thing that comes to mind. I got you. All right. And this one I had been asking about different types of real setups. If you'd only use one for the rest of your life, but because I'm interviewing a lot of fly anglers that kind of rules out anything but a fly reel. So for uh, folks that are brand new to fishing, what is the first knot that you would recommend they learn how to tie? Mm. Oh, I'll go. I'll go with that one because that one to me is easy. It's a clinch knot. You go through the loop and you go around the line five times, and then you go back through the hole that you made at the bottom of it, and you cinch it tight. 
Um, so I tied that for a, ever since that was the first knot I learned to tie. I used that same knot up until about, I'd say three years ago. And now I tie what's called an improved clinch knot, which is just one more step in that you go through another hole on the side of that knot. And that, that knot is rock solid for me. Anyway, I know there's a lot of other people that like other knots, but that knot is pretty simple. And now there's all kinds of videos and you can pull up image on your phone on how to tie it, but clinch knot. I, I agree with Robert. That's the only knot I tie for um, like tying direct to a, a hook or a line or a, a, a hook or a lure. It's the improved clinch knot. My dad called it the fisherman's knot. Um, and he's, he told me that's the only knot I'll ever need to know. And I mean, unless you're, unless you're doing a drop shot, I, he's pretty much right. I know a lot of people that swear by the Palomar knot, but I've also seen a lot of, um, at Palomar knot is one of those that it's like, if you get it right, it's, it's great. But if you don't get it right, then it's, uh, it's not great. It's very weak. And, uh, like to me, the improved clinch knot is like, that's the, the pinnacle of, of, and it, it takes a little bit of practice, but once you like, once you do it four times, like you can do it with your eyes closed. Okay. And now for the you pick questions. So we'll start with Robert on this one because I want Cam's last one to be the last one because it's going to be the one bringing up debate between you guys. <laughs> and the reason I know that is from listening to, to several of y'all's episodes of y'all's podcast. But first off, uh, Robert, what is your ideal camping setup? A camper tent or an open sky, like a, like a hammock or just around, around a fire? Uh, so I've, I've done all three of those quite a bit. So, um, I'll go with the tent because even when I'm camping with my tent, I usually carry my hammock so you can kind of get that by the fire out in the hammock. But then I do like to be, uh, covered up out of the bugs. Um, you know, the comfort of a camper is nice though. I will have to say the older I get, probably the more I lean that way. And if, if you have kids and family with you, you're probably going to get more mileage out of that camper and get to go more often. If you go in the camper, you start putting the wives and the kids in the tents or by the campfires. And then that doesn't seem as appealing to them, but I'll go tent. All right, Cam, what outdoor related career would be your dream job? Other than pro fishing, we're going to take fishing out of the equation. So. Well, uh, it wasn't going to be fishing um, because uh, a, a a fisheries biologist um, studying the fish and the behaviors of the fish, and um, I mean, I this is I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how much of a nerd I am here. Uh, since before I could remember, I would sit down with a field guide or with a, like a book on aquarium fish. And I would, I've been studying fish since I could read. Um, so to get paid to do that and to, and to actually, you know, get in the environment and, and, and study it. And cause I mean, I, I do it a little bit now, but like to get paid for it. Heck yeah. 
Okay. All right, Robert, what is an outdoor related skill or knowledge that you think everybody should have? I'm going to say um, how to build a fire. And I'm not, I'm not even going to go as far as how to start a fire with like Flint or whatever. But even if you have a lighter, uh, there's a lot of people that don't know how to build a fire where it will burn um, and you can start it. Most of the time now, if you're going camping or, or whatever, you're going to have uh, some type of an ignition source. But, um, yeah, start a fire. I think everybody needs to know that. Okay. Now, Cam, what is a rule that you would include or take out of a bass tournament? Mm. A rule that I would include or take out of a bass tournament. Um, uh, right now, forward-facing sonar is the hot topic um, in in bass fishing. Um, the rule that I would add would be a limit to the number of uh, uh, forward-facing uh, sonar transducers. Right now, people are... Uh, really taking advantage of it, doing upwards of five or six transducers and getting like a 180 degree live view of what's going on under the water. And I, I would, I would add a, add a limit to the number of transducers. Okay. All right. And then Robert, your last question is if you had to pick between a canoe or a kayak, which one are you going with? Mm. So if I'm just fishing by myself, it's a kayak all day long. If you have to take more than one person, it's a canoe. And um, so we had a canoe for the longest time when my kids were small. And we can we can fish three. Uh, me, I'm, I'm a pretty big guy. And my kids, I even ran across some pictures uh, not long ago. It was me and my mom and two of the kids in the canoe. Um, but yeah, so if it's solo, it's a kayak all day long. Much more comfortable to fish out of because the sit on top kayaks you're kind of setting up a little bit and but if it's more than one person canoe okay all right controversy time what is the correct way of saying it and you already know where i'm going i can guarantee it <laughs> crappy or crappie c-r-a-p-p-i-e spells crappy <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna go with i'm still sticking with crappie so it's a regional thing though. I mean, you can, you go. It is a regional thing. Yeah, it is. So. is correct. All right, Cam, you're going to have to pray over Robert some more and, and, and get him sorted out. It, it's crappy, man. <laughs> um, he said, he said something earlier too, that I, I, I held back. I was like, I, that's not how you say it, but Oh, it was Appalachian. That's what he said. Uh, he said the Appalachian trail and I had to bite my tongue. It's the Appalachian Trail, buddy. Yeah, well, either way. You knew what I was talking about, though, right? All right, guys. Well, I appreciate y'all being on. And uh, if folks have enjoyed this, then they're they're definitely going to enjoy listening to y'all's show. Um, I know I enjoy listening to it. I'm I'm not as much of a podcast junkie as you guys are. But um, there, there's only a handful that I listen to, and I'm, I'm usually bad about getting about four or five episodes behind and then just binge listening. But um, 
yeah, you're, you, you guys have a good show. Um, for anybody that's looking for something comparable to ours, I know, I know mine so far has been almost entirely fishing related, but I am working on, uh, slowly transitioning out of that just, uh, as, as I get more interviews lined up, but uh, folks that are focused on fishing, then, then you guys are the way to go. Uh, but, um, and you guys, uh, before we go ahead and, and wrap it up, is, is there any anybody that you want to call out as far as sponsors or uh, anywhere folks can can go to check you out? I know we already mentioned that, and I'll have uh, links in the show notes. But the the stage is yours now. Yeah, I'll go first because, Cam, you can head all the podcast ones. I'll just do my uh, Instagram uh, for me is outdoors to go. Um and you know i would just say you know thank you to all the local um tournament trails that that we fish um you know you have uh, cckf central carolina kayak fishing you've got carolina kayak anglers cka uh, queen city out of charlotte um you got foothills and then now you got port city so that covers all the uh, north carolina kayak angling trails thank you to those guys those tournament directors that put in hard work for that um and then i'll let cam hit all the rest of the podcast stuff okay yeah so uh we've already mentioned socials uh for me personally my kayaking adventures and my fishing adventures are uh, the clumsy kayak angler on instagram um and uh so for me personally uh one uh brand that i work with is uh uh carolina waters uh a uh uh, lifestyle apparel brand and uh, does uh, like the UPF um, uh, performance shirts and hoodies and, and hats and all that good stuff. This is one of them here, the leather patch um, hat that they've got. But um, so for the podcast, uh, uh, Jade's Jigs, uh, they do uh, lead free finesse tackle, which is, uh, you know, eco-friendly and, and safer for the user. Um Mr. B Lure Company is uh, a jig company that uh, does, you know, jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and uh, has, in my opinion, the best bladed jig on the market. Um, Savior Outdoors is the first company that I ever started working with. Uh, they make a retrieval devices uh, that goes on your uh, fishing rod, on your uh, action cam, like your GoPro or whatever, uh, bow fishing bows. Um, and then they have one that just kind of clips onto whatever with a key ring, um, releases is a pressure sensitive, uh, float. So, uh, whenever it goes under the water, gets enough pressure, it dissolves the salt tablet, which shoots a float out so you can get, get it back. Uh, so if you drop your rod and reel in the water, you can get it back. Um, let's see, uh, get outdoors, pedal and paddle in Greensboro, North Carolina is a big supporter of ours. Um, uh, Omnia Fishing. Uh, it's out of Minnesota, but they're a, uh, a really solid, uh, you know, online fishing uh, tackle shop that has an ambassador program, which is really awesome. So uh, you uh, go and you do your um, uh, fishing reports. If somebody buys something off of your uh, your report, you get credit for it to spend at Omnia. Um, and then uh, Nakwa Fishing Adventures is a uh, uh, a battery and lighting company uh, out of North Carolina that is a uh, really great um, uh, uh, power that fits in the palm of your hand is their their slogan. It 
really small uh, waterproof batteries with all the connectors and everything. They're what power my uh, um, my Tacticams, my um, uh, my Fish Finder, all that good stuff. Um, so that that's the list of the the companies that that work with the the podcast and and with me. And I uh, want to say big thank you to my wife for letting me do this and um and big thank you to robert and uh we've already shouted central carolina kayak fishing but that's the uh the trail that i'm chaplain for so great well uh again i've enjoyed it uh and uh hopefully the listeners have enjoyed it i'm sure they have and uh maybe maybe after if i'm able to do this tournament we can have you guys back on to critique what i did and didn't do right <laughs> Absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, man. Yep. Appreciate it.